0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see everybody. So good to see you. So, uh, we're going to start a new series today called Welcome to the Kingdom, and I've really been excited about this uh, series, and, and uh, I'll ask you to pray for me as I attempt to preach this morning. Um, it, it's, one of those, it's one of those concepts that I'll be, be preaching about today, that in my mind is, it's really clear, but the way it comes out of my mouth uh, is not so clear sometimes, and so uh, it's like chasing after a feather. I grab it, and I think I got it, and then, you know, that sort of thing, so... Um, you know, because you got, we all chase after feathers. And so uh, anyway, but I, we're going to talk about the kingdom and what the kingdom means. And uh, now if you read through the Bible, especially through the New Testament and especially through the gospels, you cannot get away from this kingdom concept that's in scripture. It's probably one of the most under preached, concepts in all of the Bible. And especially, I mean, if you're looking at who Jesus was and the things that he taught, Jesus could not shut up about the kingdom constantly, constantly, almost every time he opened his mouth was talking about the kingdom of God. And it's not that Jesus spent all of his time teaching about heaven, that the kingdom is so much more than just heaven. And, and so that's what we're going to kind of dive into for the next few weeks is, is looking at what this kingdom is. Because again, like I said, it's so much more than just heaven. Now, a lot of us, when we think about heaven, um, you know, you've, you've heard me talk about this before if you've been here very long, but when we think about heaven, a lot of times I'll, there are some of you in the room, you love Jesus, you love church, you love, I mean, you love following Christ, but you're a little worried about heaven you're a little worried. You're, you're, you're kind of wondering, like, I hope I like heaven. And and uh, and let me just set your mind at ease for just a second and just say, you're going to like heaven, okay? It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Um, but there's this kind of unknown thing because the way we've seen heaven portrayed, in fact, most of our, our our concept about heaven and hell doesn't come from the Bible. Most of what we think about heaven and hell tends to come from people like Plato or Dante and, and things like that and, and, and writers that were, you know, much after the biblical times and that sort of thing. And we have kind of uh, blended those secular teachings about heaven and hell into scripture to where we cannot hardly uh, tell the two apart. But when you look at what the Bible says about the kingdom, it's, it's very interesting. It's very fascinating. It's something that is very attractive because the way the popular culture portrays, say, heaven it's like this idea that, you know, we're going to die, and when we die, we kind of uh, leave our body and float up, and we get a cloud. And somewhere on the way, floating up, we get a robe, and we're handed a harp, and, and we get up there, and, and, and we sit on a cloud with our harp, and we sing forever. And, and for some of you, I just described hell. <laughs> like, like, if you're like me, that sounds, like, if that's heaven, no thank you. No thank you. I am not interested. Like like you know what instrument is better than the harp? All of them. Every one of them. Every <laughs> instrument is better than the banjo, way better than the harp, right? Like it's like like it is that's a horrible horrible. Like like I like singing, but I don't want to sing forever. And I like clouds but I don't necessarily want to live on one. And all this, you know, it's just, we got this weird view of heaven and and what the Bible actually teaches about heaven is so much different than what the kind of popular thinking about heaven is. And what we want to look at over the the course of the next few weeks is this idea of the fullness of of what the Bible teaches about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So the way I want to kind of... uh, start this series is by telling uh, kind of the story of this kingdom. Um, and it encompasses the whole of scripture. And I don't have time to read all of scripture to you. Um, and so you can, you know, breathe. I'm not going to do that to you this morning. But it, it covers all of it. And so I'm going to try to kind of encapsulate it for you this morning and give you kind of a, uh, you know, 100-foot view of what the kingdom according to scripture, looks like. And the kingdom starts all the way back at in the beginning. In the beginning. And where we have God, who is this uh, eternal, divine being, who has made up his mind, who has decided that for his own glory, he is going to create a universe. He's going to create a universe, and and through all of creation, he goes through the whole creative process, and at the end of that creative process, he creates uh, um, humans. He creates a man and a woman, and it is perfect. This is the establishment of the kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, from the very beginning, it was absolutely, positively perfect. Perfect. No flaw. And one of the things that made it so perfect... Was that God's presence was always there? Always there. God's presence and his glory which shone through his presence was always present. It was he was always there. So you have Adam and Eve, the first humans, who are living in this paradise that the Bible calls the Garden of Eden, and His kingdom is established, and it is you can't even fathom like imagine the most beautiful. Garden, the most beautiful national park, whatever, that you have ever seen. And it does not compare to God's initial creation. Everything we know is fallen and corrupted as the result of sin entering in the world. But back in the beginning, back before man sinned, it was perfect. It was perfect. And it doesn't take too long before the man and the woman get together And they come up with this really great plan to disobey God. And they disobey God. And sin enters the world. And as sin enters the world, something happens. This kingdom that God had established that was perfect, this kingdom becomes fractured, broken, fallen. And it's not been the same since. It's not been the same since. And the reason everything changed after sin entered the the world, it's not that sin was somehow more powerful than God, and so it broke his creation. That's not what happened. The reason nothing has been the same is because God is so perfect, so holy, so righteous, and sin is so offensive to him, he could not be around it. And so the kingdom fractured basically, into two realms, and we have this realm of the kingdom that we live in that has fallen and broken and sinful, and there is that what, what some would refer to as the heavenly realm, the realm where God lives, where God and the kind of a spiritual realm, it's outside of our space and time, and this kingdom is now fractured, fractured. And Romans 8 talks about this fractured kingdom when it says this, uh, it's starting with verse 19. Paul says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself Will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth up until now. And there is this concept in the scripture that that this fractured kingdom, that this world that we live in, that is broken, that is fallen, that is sinful, literally all creation. Groans with the pains of childbirth for that day when a new creation happens. And I've seen my wife give birth four different times, four different times. And when that labor starts to happen. And, and it really started, those, those labor pains start to come, and they come at regular intervals, and she is, a, I remember when, Mo, when she was pregnant with Molly, and uh, actually in the process of delivering Molly, and the labor pains, and everything, it was time to go to the hospital, we were in Oklahoma City, and went to, uh, I, I was in the Army at the time, so we went to Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City, uh, and that's where Molly was born, and so we get there, and, uh, and, and I had, you know, we, we had our little bag packed, and we get there, and as we, As we settle in, they get her in a bed, and they get her all checked in, and and she's going through those labor pains, and they're coming stronger, and they're coming at more regular intervals. I pulled out of the bag the one thing that I had packed, which was this little stress ball that I handed to my wife so she would stop squeezing my hand uh, because she was squeezing the mess out of my hand because there was... Pain that was going on, intense, intense, round after round after round of pain that was happening to her body in eager anticipation for the new life that was getting ready to happen. And it's the same thing. We saw a little bit of those birth pains last Sunday morning uh, with a a bit of an earthquake uh, not too far from here. But this whole creation is going through this groaning process. And not just the physical, uh, you know, natural creation, but also us as people. There is something now that is not right. It does not set well with us at all. And if you guys are anything like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where There is something about this world that you know is off. It is not right. There is so much injustice in this world and it drives us crazy. And there's something in our hearts and our souls that cries out for the day when all things will be set right and the creation is new again and justice truly and finally comes back to this world the way God meant it to be. But for now, we live in this this weird period where things are not right, things are not right. It drives me crazy that today there will be people that go all day long without access to one drop of clean water. That drives me nuts. And we're dumping it over our heads. That's not right. It drives me crazy. I'm not saying you're wrong for dumping water over your heads. I'm just saying it's not right that some people don't have water to dump on their head. It drives me crazy that in this world, because man has the choice of free will, and we get to we get to choose uh, our own uh, choices in life, that there are people in this world, there are little girls in this world right now that will be victimized by some man. That drives me nuts. That that breaks my heart. It drives me crazy that there there are powerful regimes in this world who will take advantage of the less powerful today. That, that that's not it's not right. And I could list thing after thing after thing after thing about this world that just does not seem right. And the fact that it does not seem right to us means that there is a right that it should seem. There is a right that it, there is a sense of justice out there that one day God will bring back. But for now, we live in this fractured kingdom. This fractured kingdom. Now, fast forward in the life of this kingdom to the time of Christ. When Jesus Christ comes on the scene 2,000 years ago, he turns the world upside down. Literally turns the world upside down. Nothing has been the same since Jesus. And a lot of times we'll have these conversations with people (coughs) or make statements about, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Um, or you make a statement that you say, I do believe in Jesus, or I don't believe in Jesus. And it is not, <clears throat> it's not as if Jesus is some sort of mythological creature that you either believe existed or don't believe existed. That Jesus Christ was a man that existed in time, in history, an actual man. He is not the Easter bunny. Jesus Christ was a dude that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. An actual flesh and blood dude that more than just the Bible bears witness to. You can find him in other historical documents throughout history that Jesus actually existed. You cannot have this conversation about did he exist because he existed. It's It's like if you tried to right now, say that Abraham Lincoln did not exist. Well, we have proof that he did. We have proof that he did. Now, if you want to have a conversation about whether or not Jesus Christ is God, you can have that conversation, but you can't have the conversation of whether or not he existed because since he walked this earth, not only is there historical evidence that yes, he was an actual man who actually walked this earth, but nothing about this planet has been the same since he walked this earth nothing. He changed the game. He changed everything. And it's really tempting to kind of look at, <clears throat> to look at Jesus as this guy who came, uh, and, and, and if you believe that he was the son of God, then, then he, go ahead and, okay, the son of God who came, which I do, by the way. Um, and he came and he taught these great teachings, and he was fulfillment to all kinds of prophecy, and he did all kinds of miracles, and And most importantly, he died on the cross for our sins, the sacrifice that for our sin that we couldn't be He made a way for us to live in a relationship with god and and then, when we get to the resurrection, if you 're not careful, what we tend to do is we look at the resurrection as it's almost like okay jesus 's work was completed on the cross, and now we get to him raising himself from the dead, and it's just like you know the apex miracle. Like, okay, now that I've completed my work, I'm going to whiz bang out of the earth and, and just kind of show off and prove that I'm God, right? right? You know, it's like, like just this awesome, like, like scene ending miracle that Jesus did. And the resurrection is so much more than just a great miracle. And it is a great miracle, but it's so much more than that because what the resurrection did Was began the process of healing that fractured kingdom. It began the process of healing this fractured kingdom that we live in. And and the scripture talks about it like this, Colossians uh, verse one, (coughs) sorry, chapter one, verse 18. (coughs) And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Everybody say firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. Revelation, the way the book of Revelation begins with this salutation, he says, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Everybody say it again, firstborn of the dead. And the rulers of kings on earth. And then you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, start with verse 20. Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits, everybody say first fruits. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, talking about Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. And there's this concept that when Jesus comes on the scene and does the work that he was uh, here to do and is then, then goes through the resurrection process, he was the first fruits of the resurrection, the firstborn of the resurrection, the firstborn of the dead. And we talked about it a few weeks ago where the reason it's so significant, the reason Easter is such a big deal to us is because Easter... Jesus' resurrection from the dead is kind of like the preview, the trailer for what's getting ready to come in all of us. He's the firstborn. We're the nextborn. He, start, he kicked the door wide open so that we can walk through the door. And so while we live in this kingdom that has been fractured, the resurrection began to join that kingdom back together and began to tie it back in with each other. So, so while we live in this physical realm here, And the way the Bible actually describes the eternal realm is not some place beyond the clouds. The way the Bible actually describes it is that it is all around us here, outside of our space and time, but all around us right here. It's why when Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, you don't hear stories of him descending back down and visiting and then descending back up. Instead, what you see is he appeared. All of a sudden, he was just there. They're eating a meal, and boom, Jesus is there. It's like he's walking through walls. It's like he is able to cross. He opened this door that crosses over from our realm into the next and begins this process of joining those two realms back together, and that is why the resurrection is so significant. And this is why I think also you hear stories, for for instance, in Acts, when uh, uh, Stephen, the deacon, Stephen was stoned to death. And as he's being stoned to death after he's preached this magnificent sermon, he looks up and he says, "I see the Son of God," he's seated at the right hand. He has this vision of God right there. And 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 we hear other stories of. Um, I remember my mom when um, when I was in junior high, and my dad was pastor in a church, and there was a man, an older gentleman, in our church who was on his deathbed. He was at a VA hospital in Oklahoma. And had no family around, no family that could get to him. So my mom went up to the hospital and sat with him all night long as he passed over. And she came back, and, you know, so moved by that experience. And she told the story of, I think his name was Bro- Brother Frank. And she said, she said Brother Frank, uh, had laid in that bed. And all night long, she said she would read scripture to him and sing hymns to him and help him any way that she could help him and, and help him have a kind of peaceful passing. And as she, as she did that and as he got closer and closer to death, at, at some point he would say, would say, I can hear the angels singing. I can hear them. It's like they're right in the room. I hear them. And the Celt, old Celtic Christians used to call it these thin places that are in the world, these thin places where Jesus kicked that door wide open and made this joining of the two realms to heal the kingdom back together. And when we pass from this realm into the next, it's why you hear people uh, say things like they see or hear angels or, 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 or there's a light and things like that, that, that I, I honestly believe it's because they're in that process of pra- passing from this realm into the next. Now, some doctors will tell you it's just random synapses firing in the brain or whatever, but I believe there's a passing that's happening there. I believe that. And this kingdom that was once fractured because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has now begun the process of healing. Now begun the process of healing. And where Jesus was the first and those who have gone on before us was the next, we will then be the next as well. There will be a day when we cross over into that other realm, when we'll cross over. Now, let me talk about the kingdom because right here and right now, This is one of the kind of mysteries of of the New Testament. We read so much about the kingdom in the New Testament, and it's so easy to think that they are always talking about the afterlife or heaven or whatever. And that is not what the New Testament writers are talking about. You have Matthew. I'm going to read some verses here in just a second. But Matthew almost always refers in his gospel, almost always refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this, uh, where the other writers will refer to it as the kingdom of God. And it's not that they're talking about two different places. It's It's about the audience. Matthew, the book of Matthew, was written to a Jewish audience. And Matthew himself, being a devout Jew, if you know anything about the way Jews wrote, they never wrote out the name of God. They had such high regard, such high respect for not taking the name of the Lord in vain that they never wrote out the name of God. Very, very rarely did they do that. And Matt talks about uh, Matt. <laughs> I just go out on a real first name basis with uh, with Matthew. Um, Matt <laughs> Matthew talks about. God so much in his gospel, and he's writing about it, and coming from that Jewish background, he, instead of constantly writing out the kingdom of God, which to much of his audience might have been a little offensive because of how often he was writing it, he settles in on this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. He's meaning the same thing. It's, it's this kingdom that belongs to God, but he's not necessarily talking about the afterlife. What he's talking about is this kingdom that we live in as Christians right now. That was ushered in by Jesus Christ. And I, I, I printed out uh, several pages. There's got to be a couple hundred uh, um, scriptures, verses here that talk about the kingdom of God in the New Testament. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I, I, let me read a few to you. Some of these will come from Matthew. Matthew 4:17 says, "From that time on, Jesus began to preach, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And when, Jesus, when he is preaching, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand," he's not saying, it's almost time to go to heaven." That's not what he's saying. It's not about heaven is somewhere far off. He's saying it's at hand. It's right here. The kingdom of God is knocking on your door. Repent. Change your life. Get ready to become citizens of this kingdom. And what he knew was his resurrection was going to usher in this new kingdom. It was right there on their doorstep. And he is saying, get ready for it. On in Matthew 5, uh, he's going through his Beatitudes where he says, blessed are the meek. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's not saying, you know, if you are persecuted, you know, don't worry because you get to go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. Because what he is actually saying, the Beatitudes, that whole list of blessed are this and blessed is that. Uh, One writer referred to this as the New New, New Testament version of the Ten Commandments, where if you were known as an Old Testament uh, Jew by the way you live your life according to the Ten Commandments, what Jesus was saying, you'll be known as one of my followers by living out these things. You want to be known as a Christ follower, as a member of my kingdom? Then you're going to be meek. You want to be known as a member of my kingdom? You're going to be persecuted. You want to be known as a member of my kingdom? Then you're going to be poor in spirit. You're going to have all, these are going to be traits of my kingdom citizens. And he's saying if you want to be one of those citizens, then that's what's going to happen. You Move on down uh, to uh, Matthew 13. Jesus told them a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And then verse 31 of that same chapter, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. And And verse 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And it goes on and on and on all through the New Testament, verse after verse after verse about talking about the kingdom of God. And sometimes when scripture talks about the kingdom of God, it's ta- it is talking about this reward, this eternal reward that we're going to get someday. But a lot of times, and I would even say most of the time, when it's talking about the kingdom of God, it's talking about the way we interact as citizens of God's kingdom right here and right now. That the kingdom is not something that's going to happen someday. The kingdom is something that is happening right now. And we're in this work of kind of forging this new kingdom. That there's work to do. Other parts of the New Testament talk about the work, the kingdom work. Paul refers to you, to, to people oftentimes, as his partners in kingdom work. That there is a work of the kingdom that is getting done right here and right now. And I believe that the work that we do for the kingdom right here and right now will have eternal consequences. That the work we do right here in kingdom building right here and right now will go on beyond us, I believe, even into the fulfillment of of the kingdom when it's at its fullest. That we are in the process. This is why... This is why lately we have been talking so much about this prospect of us getting out of this building and into a building all our own. It has nothing to do with the building itself. It has to do with us establishing the kingdom of God here in Dixon. It has to do with us getting into a place where we can do ministry in a way that is more excellent than we're able to do it right now, where we can offer programs and services and guidance and and, and things for people and their problems in ways that we can't offer. There, There are people in this congregation that are chomping at the bit to be in a place where we can offer programs to help people recover from all kinds of stuff in their life. And we need a place to be able to make that happen. And we need a place to grow beyond these walls. Why? Because It's not just about us getting a building. It's about us establishing the kingdom of God in Dixon, California. And we believe that kingdom will go beyond this life into the next. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're talking in the directions that we're talking. And as we continue to forge this kingdom, there will come a day when we will enter into the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the kingdom. The book of Revelation talks about it this way. Everybody just got really nervous. (coughs) revelation chapter 20 this is the vision this is the vision of the fullness of the kingdom where we have this fractured kingdom that christ through his resurrection has begun the process of healing and opened a door between those two realms and then we see this in Revelation chapter 20 verse (coughs) one john's vision says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And everybody say it with me. And the sea was no more. And the sea was no more. I want you to sit, let's sit on that for just a second. This is not saying that when uh, in eternity, somehow there will not be large bodies of waters and oceans and things like that. That's not what it's talking about. The sea, when it's referred to in the book of Revelation, is always referred to as the place um, that it's, it's the thing that is the divider, the obstacle between us and the presence of God. The sea is where the beast comes from and goes back to. The sea is that thing that keeps us from unity and presence and communion with God in his glory. And what John is saying is that when the new heaven and the new earth happen, what's going to happen is there will be no more division between us And God, that kingdom that was once fractured, that began to start to be healed through the resurrection, will finally be healed, will finally fuse together. And in fact, the vision of heaven that the Bible, that we're going to read about here in just a second, the vision of heaven in the Bible is not that we will somehow go to heaven. In fact, what it says is heaven comes to us. Look at what it says there uh, right after the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be uh, will be with them as their god god will be with us heaven comes to us these two realms are finally healed the fracture is no more and what this what we have this kind of thing in our mind going on that says, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about heaven. I'm not sure if I'm not going to like heaven because whatever. And, and I've said it before. One of the reasons that you guys are so not so sure you're going to like heaven is because you live in California. <laughs> and, ca- and can I just be honest with you? California's is awesome. It, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Beautiful. I come from Oklahoma. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's not at all. Kevin's from Texas. It's even worse. It's just, it's not the same. But when you look at the way the scripture describes what's getting ready to happen, again, it's not us leaving this place, going to heaven. It's heaven coming to us and that fracture being healed. And rather than heaven being so unknown and so different, you guys, you guys know when when, um, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and began to appear to his followers. He appeared to lots and lots of them. And the story is the same almost every time. He would appear to his followers and initially they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. Now, if you're a skeptic of Christianity, you're hanging on to that one big time. Because Your first thought was, if they didn't recognize him and they were his closest followers, maybe it wasn't him. But can I just say, if you're establishing a new religion, that the whole center of that religion is the resurrection, you're going to leave out a detail like they did not recognize him. You're going to leave that out. But the New Testament writers don't leave it out because it's so central to what the resurrection was. And what was happening was that initially they wouldn't recognize him, but they would get around him and they would hear him teach, or they would see him pray, or they would share a meal with him. And suddenly what was unrecognizable became very familiar to them. And they were like, oh, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. He's risen from the dead. And then he began to do the things that Jesus did and, and reveal himself fully. But it's because they were seeing him in his glorified state. We're, we're told that there will be a day when Well, put up that next verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making what? All things things new. There will be a day when all things, all creation will be made new, including you. Including you. Jesus being the first fruits of that resurrection appears to us and all things have been made new in him to where he's familiar, but not easily recognizable. And I think the same thing is gonna happen in eternity. I don't think it's gonna be us going to some completely foreign land. I think instead as the kingdom of heaven comes to us and the two realms are joined back together, that what we'll see is a land, is a creation, Is each other that are very different, very changed, magnificently glorious, but somehow very familiar. Very familiar. And the work that we do in the kingdom now will last into the kingdom that is to come. Will last into the kingdom that is to come. But there's this day coming when all things are made new. I got to... I got a, a, a note from a, a friend <clears throat> on Facebook. Um, he's, he's one of my best friends in the, in the Bay Area. And um, um, him and his wife have, I, I got the note this week, him and his wife have been trying for years to, uh, to have a baby and have not been able to do that. Um, she's had a couple of miscarriages. And um, she has been pregnant And uh, in fact, I went to a ball game with him a couple weeks ago and he was telling me that she was pregnant again and I was so happy for him. And and, uh, anyway, he he sends a note this week saying that um, she had lost her baby. And um, my heart, my heart was just broken for them, broken. Because I know how badly they want to have a child. And I know you, you, you all probably know other people who have been through that as well. And maybe some of you yourself have been through that. Maybe are going through it right now. But I, I responded back to his message and, and um, I just said uh, what I just said to you. My heart is absolutely broken for you guys, so I can only imagine how you feel. And, um, and I said this. I said, I, I, anxiously, I anxiously await the day when all things are made new. And I get to meet this little child. There's coming a day when all things will be made new, when every injustice will be set right, when everything that pains us or causes us to mourn will go away, when death will be no more, when the kingdom as God created it and then it fractured will be unfractured and all new again. All new again. And that day is coming. Guys, this, this is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of the gospel. We were not just saved for heaven. There's this kind of idea in Christianity that the reason God saves us is so that we can be in heaven with him someday. That's not why we were saved. We were saved first and foremost for the glory of God, but we were saved, born as citizens, new citizens into this kingdom, into this kingdom of God, not for heaven, but for right here, right now, because there's kingdom work, legitimate. When when we talk about kingdom work, we're not talking, that's not just some metaphor. We are members of a kingdom right here, right now. And God has work for us to do. The reason God has not called you to be with Him yet is because He has work for you now. He has work for you now. And that work is important in the establishing of this kingdom. Your work that you do for Him is not unimportant, it's not a small thing. It has eternal repercussions that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. It has eternal repercussions this is the hope of the gospel. because you are citizens of the kingdom of God right here, right now, which brings me to that that last point, that the resurrection kingdom is now and not yet. It's visible and invisible. We live in this place where the door between the two realms of the kingdom has been reconnected through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and there will come a day when it is completely and finally healed and all things are set right. And we anxiously await that day because the work we do in the kingdom now goes with us into the kingdom that is to come. It's all together. It's all together. And so let's do this kingdom work. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you, you, you kind of came to faith in Jesus and now you're, I don't know, kind of figuratively sitting on the bench and just waiting for heaven? Well, that's ridiculous. You're a member of this kingdom right here, right now. God has work for you to do. Let's join together with our other brothers and sisters in Christ and let's do that work. Let's do that work. The work we did even last week with our Love Does event. I mean, all the time, but let's just use last week as an example. That work we did last week, I believe in some way, shape, or form helped establish this kingdom that is being healed. It has eternal, lasting repercussions. And when we continue to lock arms and do this kingdom to work and we usher in the kingdom of God, God will one day set all things right. We'll be forever in his presence. Forever in his presence. I don't know all the details of what that's going to look like. But you know what I love? I love that I don't have to wait, that I'm in this kingdom right now. Right now. And yeah, it's broken and it's flat out jacked up at times. But I'm going to do everything I can to point to and glorify God until he comes and glorifies himself openly. That's our job. That's our job. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you for your word. And as we dive into this series to look uh, more into what the implications of of this kingdom concept are in our lives right here and right now, God, I I pray that you would put uh, uh, just a fire in us to serve you to do the work that you've called us to do, to find out, to actively seek what that work is, to actively prepare for what that work is, and then to do it, God. For those of us in the room that are Christians, that are maybe not working, not engaged in your kingdom right here, right now, instead just kind of sitting lazily waiting for the next one, convict us, forgive us, and show us the work that you have for us to do. God, for those of us in the room that are maybe outside of faith, questioning whether or not even to be a Christian, (coughs) God, would you call them into the citizenship that is your kingdom? Would you begin that resurrection process in their life right now, as Ethan demonstrated for us earlier, God? Would you raise us brand new out of our sin and into your kingdom? God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you that he did indeed raise again. And thank you so much for creating this kingdom for for your glory and for us to be a part of. Thank you. we do. We anxiously await the day when we see the fullness of your kingdom. But for now, God, use us and use us up. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.